0: Philippians chapter number 3, and what we've been doing uh, as we've been going over the, uh, the five, these five core truths about Southwest Bible Fellowship, and in doing so this morning, we're on number three, believe it or not, a study you can understand. And uh, the wonderful thing about this is we looked at a gospel you can believe. The simplicity of faith in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, in the cross work of Christ, and again, faith, faith alone, you don't do anything, you don't work for it, you don't, it would be a shame if you had to work for it. If I told you you had to walk the aisle, and you've got to lead with the right foot, and then hop, skip with the left, and do all this stuff, first of all, is it your right foot or my right foot? Because when I'm looking, my right's on this side, your right's on, so which one is it? See, or is it this or is it that? Is it, you know, put your foot in, shake it all about, how do you do this? See, then you wouldn't know if you did it right to begin with. So it's a wonderful thing that the gospel that you and I can trust and believe is based upon him and him alone. And our faith in him, that faith is the only thing you can do without doing anything. It's just believing him, committing yourself and to, to the safekeeping of his arm, of him. Then we looked last time at a Bible you can trust. And for the English-speaking people, we find God's word in a King James Bible. The King James Bible is the only Bible that protects the deity, that protects who the Lord Jesus Christ is, and then promotes who the Lord Jesus Christ is. Okay? And then as we come this morning, we'd look at a study that we can understand. And again, that study, a dispensational Bible study, is very important to grasp. It's very important to understand, especially in the light of recent events going on around the world. We'll talk about that as we uh, move through some of this. In Philippians 3, verse number 1, the Apostle Paul writes, "...Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord." To write the same things to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. While for some, as we talk about right division and the chart, I put the chart up behind me, freak you all out, oh my goodness, we're going to be here all day. Well, we can be, but uh, just for really for reference, and for some of us, it, this should be, uh, oh, here we go again, he's going to talk about time passed, but now he... But actually, that's the wrong attitude. You ought to be refreshed by it. it's safety, and that's why we start with Philippians three, verse one here. To, to write the same things to me, to in, for, to you, to me indeed is not grievous, but for you it is safe. There's a refreshing I- issue when you understand dispensational Bible study. Now, for others, it's like the light bulbs go off and and uh, you know everything happens and so forth. Oh yeah, come on in, guys. There's no teen class. Sorry. You guys are fine. There's a whole row right there in front of your dad. Go for it. Okay? Um, so, but again, if you, if, if, it, it, this is a great verse. Again, for, for some of us, it's just refresh our thinking. And for others, it's to come to that concept of dispensational Bible study. And if you come over to 2 Timothy 2, verse number 15, this is the verse that we use when we talk about a study that we can understand and, and, and I'm, I, I don't want to, I, I thought about, I, I mean, I, you know, you could go on and on and on forever with right division, and I just want you to understand that when we come together, we come together to do this verse. 2 Timothy 2.15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And again, as we do have God's word in the King James Bible, then we need to study it God's way. So we have God's Word, we're going to study it God's way. And yet, He tells us how to study. We don't need uh, a a book over here or a book over here written by some body. We just need to come and understand how to study God's Word. You understand that. How many of you have uh, a, a, a phone, a smartphone? Everybody, nobody, okay, thanks, Michael. But on that phone, you have a GPS, don't you? You have Google Maps, you have Apple Maps, you have a way of telling you where to go. And what do you do? You draw up the map, you type in the address, and it tells you how to navigate over to so-and-so or to here or there, right? That's what 2 Timothy 2.15 does. It's our navigation app. When we were hiking the Grand Canyon, as we were coming down... I had two GPSs hanging on, on me, and I got mocked for it, which was okay. Because the pathway, one was in case I fell and broke my head, then I could get help. But the other one was I wanted the route. I had, per, I had prideful ambitions of having it de- recorded that I actually did this. Okay, but, but why? Because when you hike the Grand Canyon north to south, south to north, the, the route is pretty well marked. You can't lose yourself unless you're really trying to lose yourself, okay? Uh, as the one guy told me one time, you can really get lost in Alaska if you really want to get lost. And you can. Same with the canyon, and I get that. However, when we came to Ribbon Falls to go over to Ribbon Falls, guess what happened to the trail? It went away, it went away. exactly. Now, but what, what did we do? We, the bridge that normally is gone, so you're looking, right, where do we cross the creek? By the way, it's not an ankle creek, it's a knee, knee bender creek. It's up to your knees, you know, when we, okay? So, but what do you, you begin to look at where other people had laid down the bush, the trees, and so forth. And we got on the other side of the creek, and what did we find? We found the trail. I think we found it. We found our trail, right? Okay, our trail. But again, what is 2 Timothy 2.15? Here's the navigation. Now, if you're going to go off on a tangent, then you've got to look for where the things have been laid in. And the language of the Bible, of the Scripture, God lays in language that indicates that he is the one that's made the divisions, not man. He's the one that's laid in the the GPS points. He did this. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself. By the way, the new Bibles, (laughs) get a kick out of these guys, all right? Be diligent to present yourself approved. Do your best to present yourself to God. Work hard so God can approve you. This one, it just wears everyone out concentrate on doing your best for God. Yes, they do. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. By the way, that's the New King James. Do your best to win God's approval as a worker who doesn't need to be ashamed, who teaches only the true message. Make every effort to give yourself to God as the kind of person he will accept. Be a worker who is not ashamed and who uses the true teaching in the right way. I'll go back up to the NIV. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed, who correctly handles the word of truth. The NASV says, according, according uh, accurately handling the word of truth you see how it distorts the navigation it doesn't it says rightly dividing but start with that word study that's an, be diligent how diligent it's a little it's a little more now we got a bigger definition than what study you see study it takes effort it takes determination it takes i'm going to do this deliberately Study to show thyself approved. You're not doing this to win eternal life. You already have eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's the gospel. The approval here is in the approval. It's being approved student. A, a, approval in the action, the, being approved of, of God. Uh, a stu, a study to show thyself approved unto God a workman. It's in that vein where the approval is. What is the work? The work is the study. See, the studying of it, a workman, it's work. And as we study and as we grow, we begin to see things that, are, that make us able to, to maintain and to live. Next time we'll talk about a life you can live. Live that grace life to be able to go where the Word of God is and to get out of it what needs to be to deal with the details of life. See, the workmen, you go, there's a great passage back in Job when he describes the issue of mining and how mining is done and where there's miners, they go in and they dig up the nuggets of gold and silver and there's a, there's a mining process and a workman process. You and I are told in Colossians 1 that all the treasures, Colossians 2, all the treasures our head and cry. You got to go dig them out, though. A treasure pirate, you know. Our black flag. Here we come. Argh, you know what are we? We're digging it up. We're digging it out. A workman gets into that. But it starts with that study. Come over to Ecclesiastes chapter twelve. The the issue of study that implies effort. It implies uh, Ecclesiastes twelve. It implies work, willful for the work diligently looking into something for the effort for the clear purpose of gaining knowledge and understanding that's what we're talking about coming in and digging into the nuggets and 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 being and working them out and I'll be honest with you any work of ministry that you need that you're around or listen to needs to be built upon the principle of study. We don't study. I hear people say, oh, I study. You you know, I worked a 40-hour job. I studied 10 hours to teach you, and I studied another 10 hours to teach me. And I did that Monday through Friday, because Friday night was Friday night football banned. Saturday was banned. Sunday was, you know, a lot of... But study, get in and get it out. Oh, I was studying this wonderful passage. No, you weren't, because if you were, you wouldn't be in the mess you're in. Well, I just woke some of you up, didn't I? Because studying, getting in, digging it out, getting out the treasures. Ecclesiastes 12, verse 7, 17, but there's not a verse twelve seventeen, is there? How about 12, 12? How about 12.12? And further, by these, my son, be admonished. Of making many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. I don't know if you've ever done that, where you've been, in, come back to 2 Timothy 2, where you've been engrossed in a subject, and you're studying. Right now, I'll just tell you, in Psalms 22, he talks about the sword in the description of Calvary. And I've been just studying out the sword information in scripture not the word of the sword of the spirit but there's a sword and it's the sword of the right arm of god and it's judgment and it's very interesting to get in and to dig it out and to see the flow of it and here's calvary cross christ is hanging calvary and god the father pulls out his sword of judgment and whacks him with it and it's very interesting to me when he, that came from just reading job you know just looking at other things, going, hey, I need to look at that, you know, write it down. 2 Timothy 2, study. Again, most churches, most Christians today don't study. They get together for other things, but they don't get into it. They'll read a verse or two. Then they'll go find a book on a shelf somewhere and read about it. How many of you have read a book about how to pray? raise your, you know you can raise them to be embarrassed that's fine i will i've done it you know that your word of god romans through philemon paul tells you how to pray you just got to get in and study nugget's out get the nugget out study when we sat here we started in our in our mission verses of the church second corinthians 4 that issue of studying That's why I never say, I think, I got a lot I think about. It's what, yea, what saith the Scripture. That's what we're about. Why? Because that's the study. That's the mark. That's the final authority. Study, it takes effort. And it takes some, it takes approved study. Studying it the way God would have us to study. It takes some some getting into it. But then the end of the verse, he says, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, you got to think about that a little bit. Because the template here, the language that Paul is using is clearly, he's identifying for us how we are to understand God's word, the word of truth. Now, scripture is full of discrepancies and contradictions. Scripture scripture will just make you pull your hair out, what little hair you might have left out and go, my good, what in the world's going on here? But yet, rightly dividing that word comes in and does what? Clarifies it. Goes, wait a minute, there's something else here. There's something. And what that leads us to, rightly dividing the word of truth leads us to understand that you cannot obey every scripture, every verse of scripture at the same time. You can't do it. Yes, I can. No, you can't. Yes, I can. No, you can't. can't. Matthew 19. Just an illustration. Matthew chapter 19. Just think about this. Is Matthew 19 scripture? Yes. Is it the Word of God? Yes. Matthew 19, 16. That was a good year, by the way. 1916. And behold one came and said unto him, good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? The question of the ages. How do I how is a man Job 9? How is a man just with God? How do I get the how do I get eternal life? Well, verse 17. And he, that's Christ, said unto him, the rich young ruler, why callest thou me good? For there is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, isn't that interesting? What did the Lord Jesus Christ just tell that man to do to have eternal life? Keep the commandments. Well, come on over to Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9. Now, is Ephesians 2 scripture? Yes. Ephesians 2, verse number 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Wait a minute. What did that verse just say? How do I get eternal life? By faith? No works. Wait a second. Keeping the commandments is what? Works. I'm doing something. Grace says, no, you're not. Are you confused yet? You're not. Wow. You guys are on the ball. Which one is the right answer? See? Now there's right. Which one am, the, again, the commandments, a series of do's and don'ts. That's what God expected. Christ himself said, you want to have eternal life, keep the commandments. The apostle Paul comes in and says, you want to have eternal life, it's a free gift. And there's nothing you can do. Eternal life has nothing to do with anything you can do. So again, which verse do I believe? They're both scripture. They're both right on the table. You can do this with anything, by the way. Take food. I'm hungry, by the way, just in case that's my food. Okay. He tells Israel in Leviticus, clean and unclean. You can eat one, you can't eat the other. Then he comes over here to Peter and says, eat it all, Pete. And Pete says, I don't think so. Then he looks at you and I in the age of grace and says, you can have it all if it's received with thanksgiving. By the way, I don't know of any food not received with thanksgiving. (laughs) Thank you, Lord. Let's eat, you know. But see, the thing is, is you can do this with with right division. Any issue, sickness, healing, giving, forgiveness, Prayer, baptism, food, there, there are different sets of information given to different people at different times throughout history. Dispensation, Dispensing. God's handing out the instructions that he would have for man. God tells Noah, let's go build the ark, and this is what it's going to look like, and he lays it out. Do you know he never told man ever to do that again? And yet do we see from time to time people are doing what? Got a guy in Kentucky. He's got a big one in his front yard. Build an ark. Now, I I understand why the guy in Kentucky did it. It's charged at the front door. But the thing of it is, is when you look at that, wait a second. If I looked at you today and said, there's judgment coming. You need to go build an ark. What would you do? You would laugh. Exactly. Exactly. You would why? Because that isn't what for today. You fall. Second Timothy two fifteen. Study to show thyself approved. A workman, show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. Rightly dividing the word of God. We're going to go to His word, and we're going to make the cuts where God has already made the cuts. And that then brings great clarity to the scriptures. Come over to Hebrews 4. Hebrews chapter 4. I didn't put this one on your handout, did I? Oh, wow. Shame on me. Hebrews chapter 4. Is it on the overhead? Hebrews 4? No? No. Wow. I was slackered. Slackered. All right. Hebrews 4. Look at verse 12. Think about rightly dividing, to cut straight. Okay? You, you come in and you're gonna cut, you're gonna make the cuts where God has already made the cuts. I made a brisket on the on the smoker the other day, and the, the directions say cut against the grain. Well, the natural intent is to cut with the grain, because that's how it, it's easier to cut, by the way. Cut. Against the grain. You're going to come in now and you're going to lay in where God is laid in the cuts already made. Hebrews 4, look at verse 12. For the word of God is quick and powerful, and sharper than any two edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and the morrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of. The heart. Notice what God's word does. What does it do? It cuts, doesn't it? A two-edged sword. It's cuts. It's, it's dividing. But it's devi- it's separating, it's severing. It's making a, di- a distinction between soul and spirit and body. It divides. God's word is the only thing that has the ability to come in and to cut. The three parts that make up humanity, only the word can do that. You can't do it. You have a you have a hard time discerning between your soul and your spirit. You know why? Because they're integrated together, and they're intricate with each other. But God's word comes in and does what? Divides, cuts. The intent. I, I love that. A discerner of the thoughts and intents of your heart. Jeremiah says your heart's desperately wicked. Who can know it? Oh, I know my heart. No, you don't. You don't know that if you were in a certain situation pressed hard enough that you wouldn't do what others have done or do worse. You don't know that. God's Word does, though. The Word of God comes in. By the way, he's quick. Alive, right? But also what? Quick. Boom. I wish it would quickly be done. Quick. Move. Fast. This stuff isn't designed to take years and years and years to figure out. It's designed to come in, take it, grasp it, work, and move to the next issue. There's a wonderful reason why in Paul's epistles, when he looks at it and he says, the longest I've been anywhere has been three years in one church at Ephesus, But the Thessalonians, who were in dire persecutions than anyone other than at the time, he comes in, he spends two months with them, establishes a local assembly, establishes them in the sound doctrine, and that local assembly is out telling other people about the message. It's designed to go quickly, not spend 25 years, you know, okay. Well, Rick, they didn't have the Internet. Yeah, they did. It just wasn't called the Internet. It was called the Roman Colosseum and the Gladiator Games. Well, they didn't have a distractions like we have. Yes, they did. They had actually more than you and I do. Well, they didn't have camp. They didn't have backpacking the Grand Canyon. Yeah, they did. They just called it something different. They had canoe games. I don't know. They had different things. You can go read the Roman lifestyle. Okay. See, using internet and cell phones and all that is just a cop out to get what you do, what you want to do, done. I'll get the words out right, okay. I got new glasses, so some of you are fuzzy and some of you are. So I can't really see what I'm saying or who do I who am I talking to, you know. Now you really go away. It's like whoa. Oh, maybe I better leave them off. No, just kidding. You look better with them off. Exactly. Well, especially this side over here, okay. Yeah. 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 You see, folks, when you come to understand the issues of right division, the, the concept of right division, you come in and you're, all you're doing is, this is where God made the divisions, and we're identifying them. By the way, come over to Acts 8. You, one of the slanders against dispensational Bible study is that they will say, the critics, the, the enemies will say, you just learned that from somebody. That's not in the Bible. You're just made that. Somebody taught you that. No. Now, maybe you haven't heard that. I have. I had a guy one time tell me, you just believe what you believe because your daddy believes it, if you know who my dad is, pastor there in Chicago. And I go, no, I believe it because I believe it. No, you don't. You're just you know, saying the same thing your dad said. Rawr, rawr. And I'm like, all right, dude, there's the door, man. Don't let it hit you on the way out. Literally, that's what I said to him. <laughs> I had enough of it. But notice Acts 8. Just When somebody says that to you, remember this. Because, by the way, what else do they say? You're a Bible chopper. And we'll talk about that in just a second. Look at, Rome, look at Acts 8. And look at verse 30. And Philip ran thither to him and heard him read the prophet Isaiah and said, Understandest thou what thou readest? So you've got the Ethiopian and you got Philip. And they're having a conversation about Isaiah 53. Now watch verse 31. And he said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he desired Philip that he would come up and sit with him. The place of the scripture which he read was this. He was led as a sheep to the slaughter and as like a lamb dumb before his shear. So opened he not his mouth in his humiliation and off he goes and Philip helps him. But notice what the Ethiopian said. Philip says, do you understand what you're reading? He goes, how can I? Nobody showed me. Isn't that interesting? And one of the critics of right division is what? You just learn that from somebody. Come over to 2 Timothy 2. 2 Timothy 2. And verse 2. 2 Timothy 2.2. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also, isn't that interesting? So don't let somebody say, Oh, you just learned that because so and so told you that. Well, yeah, but how did you come to know it and learn it and understand it? You get in the book and you study. You see, right division, people will say, See, that causes you to be a Bible chopper. But that's not what Paul's talking about, clearly. We're going to make distinctions between, but we're making the distinctions where God has already made the distinctions. somebody will say, well, that's the difference between the Old Testament and the New Testament, between Malachi and Matthew. Well, that's a publisher paper that did that. When you understand dispensational Bible study, you understand that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John is just a continuation of that Old Testament program. Actually, even the early Acts, it's just a continuation. There's nothing new here. It's just moving to the next step. You see, don't let somebody come along and, and... rain on your parade of understanding dispensational bible study rightly because they don't like what it does to their parade because what does it do it changes i had a guy one time tell me he goes rick you're kicking my kingdoms today because they build kingdoms out of things and i'm like i didn't do it the word of god is what's doing it and who's doing it so there is a a consequence of failing to rightly divide the word of truth. look at You're in 2 Timothy 2, right? Look at verse 18. Verse 15, Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase the more undone godliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have what? Have erred. Now we're rightly dividing the word of truth. We're not dividing truth from error. We're taking the truth of word of God and we're putting the cuts and then making the divisions where God made the cuts and the divisions. Have you ever got a cake from a store and they kind of laid out where you need to make the cuts to make the cake look pretty? If Rick cuts it, it's my half and everybody else is on your own, okay? See, you see, he's already made the distinctions. You and I are coming in and identifying that, But you are going to err. Now, what are they saying that the resurrection has passed already and overthrow the faith of some? You see, the consequence of it is to overthrow the faith of. It's to shipwreck some faith. It's It's to get them out there on Gilligan's Island where there's no help, no rescue, nowhere to get off the island. Why? Unless you do what? Unless you ride in and save them. See, and that's not the issue here. You can err. There's a consequence here. Look down at verse 25, in meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth, and that they may recover themselves from the snare of the devil, who are taken captive by him at his will. You see, if a believer doesn't rightly divide, what are you doing in verse 25? You're opposing yourself. You see that? This is what this whole passage is about believers leaving dispensational Bible study, leaving the truth given to the Apostle Paul, becoming apostates, leaving the doctrine, forsaking Paul, forsaking right division, coming over here now back into Matthew, Mark, Luke and John and Grabbing, or better yet today coming out over here in the book of the Revelation and saying, see what's going on in the Middle East. It's all coming to true, baby. And you sit there and you go, no, it's not. See? And they look at you and go, oh, yeah, you're one of those. Bible chopper. Weirdo. Occult. And they begin the name calling. Come over to chapter 3. Consequences. Verse 7. Look at this. Ever learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the what? Ever learning. Ever learning. How many PhD degrees and THDs and TDDs and DDDs and all the other behind you? You see, always learning but never able to come to the knowledge. Next week when we talk about a life you can live, see, there's a knowledge here that helps you go out into life and to live and and to prosper in life as who you are in Christ. Now, whether that's in the bank account or not, that's up to you but to prosper, to live as who you are as Christ, and to have joy and rejoice You know that you and I are called to joy and rejoicing? We're called to that. And yet we decide to live in, in utter joylessness, if I can say it that way. Make up a word, why not? You see, the result, verse 8, Now as Janus and Jambes were stood Moses, so do these who resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds reprobate concerning the faith. Reprobate, disapproved. They disapprove of it. You see, there's dire consequences as a result of not rightly dividing the word of truth. You see what has happened with Israel this past week or so. You know that right division helps you keep your mindset where it ought to be? Right division comes along and says what's happening in Israel today in the age of grace is not Daniel 9. It's not Revelation. It's just what sinful men do to other sinful men. And even though while it looks like a fulfillment of prophecy, all that it is a fulfillment of is what God said man will always do. And what will man always do? Hate. They'll always hate. They will always be a sinner. There's none righteous, no, not one. Well, it's terrible. I get it. War's not a good thing. None of that's good over there. It's just not God doing it. It's not God setting the stage for the Assyrian to ride out and to save the day. The Antichrist is an Assyrian. By the way, did you notice here at last the the political bigwigs are over in Jordan and Syria trying to negotiate a peace? Why? Why are they doing that? Because they have influence in the region. Do you see how quickly the situation in Israel mirrors and pictures what the end times all say, and yet who's sitting in the way? you and I are. Come over real quick. This isn't up here. I I didn't look at second Thessalonians chapter two. Just you, you see, please, I beg of you. If you think that what is happening is a fulfillment of prophecy, then you are in danger of error and you are not rightly dividing the word of truth. Israel is just another group of people. God is not a respecter of persons, Paul says in Romans. They are all sinners. Now, as much as we want to reach out and help them, you do that. That's between you and your household, honestly. But don't ever say God's doing it because he's not doing it. Where is God working today? In the church, the body of Christ, in the word, of his, his word working in the, in the believer. Look at 2 Thessalonians 2. Look at verse 5. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things about the day of the Lord. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. The he hears the Antichrist. For the mystery of iniquity doth already work. Only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. Verse 7 is about you and I. That word let, the idea is holding back. He's holding back the revelation of the Antichrist, verse 3, until who's out of the way? The church, the body of Christ. So what do we know? That stuff happening over there is just sinful men doing sinful things and killing each other. By the way, it's a family squabble. Ishmael and Isaac all over again. Esau and Jacob all over again you should not be surprised and yet I dealt with Christians today or not today but this past week who understand right division who are crying a fulfillment of prophecy and the fact is is that we're over here doing all this stuff and I look and I go you ought to know better but you know what they don't do they don't study they got wrapped up in some of the images they saw and then spun out that's not you and I What does study do? Here it is. Please. So, when you come to Scripture, get Genesis 1 and get Revelation 21. And just notice the language, all right? So, I'm off, okay? Now, I'll be honest with you. As you're finding Genesis 1 and Revelation 21, that doesn't mean that we don't be careful, okay? And that we don't pay attention to what the groups say. Because the groups don't, that that word hate, it's a heavy word. They don't like you and I. They don't like Christians. So I'm not telling you don't be careful. By the way, just between me and you, what's the worst thing that can happen to you? If they kill you, you're going to go absent from the body, present with the Lord. But that doesn't mean to just willy-nilly forget about your surroundings because you have loved ones and family and so forth. That just means don't get hooked up in all the hysteria. Okay, just pay attention to what's going on and you make decisions for you and your family where you're at about what, just don't ever say God's doing it because he's not doing it. That's where right division comes in. Okay, now watch the language here. Here's the template, okay, that that we already use. Here's the study that we can all understand. Here's the information that liberates us from the confusion and the frustration and the discouragement and the fear. Here's the information that causes us to, to be enlightened, to have understanding, to understand that what God's doing, God's Word, tells us, and it can make sense. Genesis 1.1, in the beginning God created the what? The heaven and the earth. What did God just lay out in verse number one? He just laid out a cut, didn't he? He just laid out a distinction between what? Heaven and earth. Verse 2. And the earth. So what is he going to talk about now? The earth. And he talks about the earth all the way to Acts chapter number 9, with the stone, with the apostle where Saul Tarsus, the Apostle Paul, shows up. So from back here. All the way over to here, a long time, by the way, about 4,000 years or so. What's the focus of God's word? Earth. Is he talking about the heaven? No. He's talking about the earth. Revelation 21, verse 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What's the goal out here off the chart? A new heaven, and again, distinctions, isn't it? So the book begins talking about heaven and earth, and it ends talking about heaven and earth, and everything in between talks about the reconciliation plan that God has in reconciling, bringing it all back under the relationship of the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ, heaven or earth. Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. This is where I'll probably leave a little bit from your handout, and that's because I have the right to do that. Okay? Ephesians chapter 1, look, if you will, at verse 9 and 10. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven. Okay? and which are on earth, even in him. Do you notice the distinctions in that? In heaven, on earth. Two letters, in and on. Where are we going to sit? In heavenly places. Where is Israel going to be? On the earth. Two different realms. So we have two different realms of operation. We have two sets of instructions. We call it... Prophecy, I just had it up here. Prophecy, and we have it called mystery. Two realms, heaven and earth. Two words, prophecy and mystery. Have I lost you yet? There's only two. Now come over to Luke 1. Watch why we call it prophecy, or why it is called prophecy. Luke 1. Now, we're going to have three specific time periods. This is what kills me, past, the now, present, and to come, future. How hard was that? Your your brain surgery is now, right? Past, present, future. Wow. Did you feel the earth move? Why? Because he's laid out these pre cuts already. Luke 1. In Luke 1, you have the birth, you you have the conception of Christ, and you have the conception of John the Baptist and the birth of John the Baptist. Verse 68 John the Baptist's father, uh, um, Zach here, he's going to speak. He says, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he hath visited and redeemed his people. Notice his people. Who? Israel and hath raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. Okay, so we've got got a system out there of prophetic information. It's about Israel, it's about his people, it's about the house of David, it's about the circumcision, verse 70. As he spake by the mouth of his holy prophets, which have been since the world began. This pro- prophecy has been going started with Adam. By the way, Adam was a prophet. He was a king, and he was a priest. And he, and since the world began, he's been talking about this kingdom that's going to come out here in the future of us. But if we close that, he's been talking about this prophecy, prophetic, prophetic utterances about the future. Here's what's going to happen. Information that was revealed since the beginning, since Adam, all through the Old Testament, celebrating and cultivating in the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and then yet there's more to come. Prophecy. Romans 16. Romans 16 and verse 25. Romans 16, 25. Paul here, Romans 16, 25, Now to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery. All right, well, what is that? Which was kept secret since the world began. Now, Paul says, what was given to me was this thing called the mystery because since the world began, it hasn't been talked about. It was kept secret. Now, something spoken and something kept secret are what? Two different things. Two sets of different informations. Two, two, two completely different things. God's Word tells us we are where we are to divide the Word of Truth. Come over to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. God's Word says you're going to make a division between the thing that was spoken since the world began and the thing that was kept secret, but now is revealed. Romans 16, 26, we didn't finish that, but now was made manifest. By the way, if it's a secret and it's made manifest, then what is it? No longer a secret, it's what? It's revealed truth. That's why in Ephesians 1 there, verse 9, he says, He's made known unto us the mystery of His will was kept secret, no one knew, the ultimate culmination of the dispensation out there in the fullness of times, now it's made known. Now, look at Ephesians 2, and you know the verses, verse 11, 12, 13, verse 7, but I want you to notice something here. Look at verse 11. Wherefore, remember that ye, and the ye there is going to be the Gentile, okay, being in time past Gentiles in the flesh. Who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time you're without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. Do you see the time passed? Verse 13, first two words, but now, ye, so who would the ye be? But now in Christ Jesus, ye, who would that be? Gentiles, who sometimes are far off, are made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he's our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished and so forth. Verse 7 that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards who? Us. Gentiles. Body of Christ specifically, through Christ Jesus. But notice verse 11 and 12. If I'm reading in Scripture, and the criteria is this cry of uncircumcision versus circumcision, where am I reading? Time passed. Circumcision is introduced in Genesis 17. So every time I read in the Old Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Acts period, and there's a difference made between circumcision and uncircumcision, where am I reading according to God's already preordained, pre-mark in his book? I'm in time past. When I read in verse 12 that the Gentiles were without Christ, they're aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, they're strangers from the covenants of promise, having the hope without God in the world. By the way, all Romans you go through Romans 9, 10, 11, it's all through there. Where am I reading? When I read that in Scripture, I'm in time past. I didn't need a Ph.D. or a theology degree. I just need to do what? Read, study. When I read back here in the prayer of Jabez, if you guys remember that from many, many moons ago, if you don't remember, don't worry about it. When I read back there about the prayer of Jabez, and if, you, if my people, when they come into the land, and I'm sitting there going, my people, who would that be? Not America. That's who? That's Israel in the context. You go in and you look into it. When you read the passages in Chronicles about my nation will lift up their eyes and see me, and I'll rescue them, and I'll deliver them, and people say, oh, "I'll see, America, if you just turn to Jesus, it ain't about you turning to Jesus. It's about Israel coming in, out of actually, out of the second coming events. You see, God says, hey, when you read about this stuff, you're reading back here. But, man, when I read about, you know what, verse 13, I'm nigh by the blood of Christ now. I've had the middle wall of partition between us broken down. Over in Colossians, he's taken the ordinances that was against us and nailed it to his cross. Man, when I start reading about that, where am I reading then? I'm reading right here. See, I'm reading today, the now. But do you see past, present, and future? That's really easy. You see, there's a simplicity in Christ. And Paul says in the revelation given to him, that capstone of truth, he provides language that points us to where God has already divided the truth out. He says, You're going to rightly divide it. You're going to, it's more than cutting straight. You're going to put the cut where God has already placed the cut to be. God tells Israel, He says, you're going to be the head, and everybody else is going to be the tail. That's why Israel's up here and Gentiles are down here. He looks over there and he tells them, I put the division between you and everybody else. You know, Abraham didn't wake up one day and just say, you know what, I think I want to be special from now on, and we're going to do this. And by the way, we're going to come over here and do circumcision to do it. Abraham was 100 years old when that happened. He's an old man. And yet, what did he do? He went and did it. Why? Because that's what God's word said for him to do. You see, God put the divisions. God looked at Israel and said, you're my people, so guess what? You won't eat. You won't eat pig. You won't eat this. You won't eat the swine. You won't eat this. You won't eat the shrimp. You won't eat the seafood. You won't eat this. And and you won't have linens, mixed linen clothing. You won't have all that. And you know what? People look at that and they go, man, that is so weird. That was the point was to draw them out away from everybody else to say, here's my people. He looks at you and I and he says, you know what? You're my people. You're my ambassadors. And you know what my ambassadors do? They live for me. Not in fear of losing anything, not in fear of not getting, but they come along and they live for me. And they live the life that I've given them in my son you come back there to 2 Timothy 2, the prescription, the navigation app, if you will. The GPS po- component sits right here. And again, you can, you can run verses all day long, and I didn't want to do that with you. You can go over there to Matthew 10 when the Lord looks at the, the, the 12 disciples and says, don't go in the way of the Gentiles. Don't you even walk on the same side of the street as they are. And then Paul says in Romans 11, I am the apostle to the Gentiles. Who am I going to listen to? Peter, not not at all. Paul, yeah, but he's my guy. Little marks, little distinctions. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's the dispensational Bible study. That's the study we can understand. That's the study that we can grasp and look at and come to enjoy, and say, yep, that's what God's doing today. That's the study that when we look out at things that are happening in the world today, when they do look like prophecy fulfilled, but realizing that all they're doing is exactly what God said man will do, it's just not time for man to do that. The great illustration of that is the Lord in the temptation of Christ, Matthew 4, Luke 4. When Satan comes and he says, hey, you're hungry, turn those stones into bread. He comes over and says, you see all these these power I've got? I'll give it all to you. You just got to worship me. Come on over here. Jump off this cliff and they'll catch. If you are really who you say are, the angels will catch you before you hit the ground because Psalm says you're not supposed to. And you know what the Lord said? As it is written. It is written. It is written. Now, can the Lord do all those three Will the Lord do all three? Yes. Just not right there. The timing wasn't right. And you know who knew it? Satan knew it. Satan knew that if he could get the Lord to turn those stones into bread and eat, that he just got him to violate God's word. If I can just get him to do that, I got him. Now God's word says he's going to do all that. It's just the time. Remember the Lord would say, my hour is not come. Then he says, oh, my hour's here. Timing. Those are cuts. Luke 16 says that uh, the law and the prophets were until John. Then the kingdom's preached and every man presseth into it. You know what that means? Until when OJB showed up, the law and the prophets were done. No, they wasn't. It just says now we move to another thing, the next thing on the stage, and that's that coming kingdom. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. You know what Paul says? That none of that has to do with you and I today. All that stuff is a shadow of things to come. Our grounding is in who we are in Christ. Our glory is in Calvary. Peter says, you guys by wicked hands killed the Messiah. Paul says, man, I glory in that cross. That's the, he's the, he's the point. The the Old Testament, the Gospels, they say, you guys got to endure to the end to get it. Paul says, you got it up front. It's yours now, present possession. No waiting for it. You got it now. Boy, great clarity. Wonderful freedom. Glorious freedom. That's a song in our book, I know. Why? Because we understand what God's Word's saying to us, and we understand who He's saying to it, where, the who, what, the where, when, and the why. Okay? Now, my hour is up. Okay? All right. Dearly Father, we thank you for the morning, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the, the built-in instructions on how to study it so that we can understand it. We thank you for that. In your name we pray. Amen.